Thank you for listening to a Christ Church Showman. This is Jared Sparks, one of the pastors at Christ Church Carbondale. We want to thank you so much for listening, as Ransom said, my son. And we ultimately hope that these are God-honoring. And because they are God-honoring, we hope that they are also edifying and encouraging and, and challenging to you in the best sort of way. Thanks so much for listening. All right. So... George was able to switch with me tonight because today uh, was one of those rare occasions where I did, didn't have to work. It's Martin Luther King Day, so uh, the school was closed and I had uh, the ability not to come come in at 6.30. So <laughs> glad to be here. Um, when you think of families singing together, I bet you think of the Austrian hillside. Woman in an apron, kids in matching outfits made from curtains, twirling. <laughs> Tea, a drink with German bread. Which I always thought they were saying German bread until they started going jam and jams. Ja- the Germans. Okay, okay. It's, ja- it's German. It's jam, not German. Okay. They're not Germans. They're. Okay. Anyway, uh, we don't. That's not exactly what. I think the Bible has in mind with families singing together in the home. So I'm breaking in the middle of the prayer. There's, there's a two-part uh, uh, teaching on the prayer, but we're going to do singing today uh, because one of the things that we want to do as a church is to build a uh, culture of music in our homes. We want our kids to be obeying the scriptures when they command us to sing to the Lord. And so I'm going to I'm going to ask for uh, prayer right now, and we're going to ask that God would illuminate his word for us. And as we talk about the subject of singing, and especially singing in the home, that, that he would give us clarity and the, the courage to follow his commands. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are here with us, that your spirit is moving among us, that you hear our prayers through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, today as we, as we talk about your command to sing throughout the scriptures, as we talk about how to best encourage families to sing together, I pray that you would, that you would help us, that you would help me. Your word is good and perfect. Would you help us to be doers of your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, why sing? Why should we sing? Um, God commands us to. So we have the, within the scriptures, Bob Coughlin puts this really helpfully. Um, all told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing and 50 direct commands to sing. To the individual, to the family, to the church, we are told over and over and over again through the scriptures, sing to the Lord, sing praises to his name, tell of his works among the people. Would you turn with me? We're going to go through several scriptures tonight, but uh, Psalm 96. Show me Psalm 96. So 
So if the Bible tells us to sing, what are we supposed to sing? I mean, songs, obviously. I mean, you just, you know, you're just saying stuff. They're songs, right? We sing songs. But what sort of songs, what sort of things are we to sing? What sort of things does the Bible command us to, to do? Psalm 96, one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his house. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world and righteousness and the peoples in faithfulness. So we're commanded. Oh, sing. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. And this, this command is not only to the church. This is to all the families of the peoples. Verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. This is a command that goes not only to the church, but it goes out to all the lands. Even the trees, it says, are, are to sing out. All of creation rejoicing before the Lord. This is a command that goes, and we want to be obedient to it, as it says, in our families. And so what are we to sing? We're to sing... Praise. We're just saying praise. Well, is praise a, a genre of music? No, not necessarily. It's become a genre of music. Do you see? So this is these are praise songs as opposed to worship songs or uh, whatever silly title we want to put on them. But praise is is an action. Turn with me to Psalm forty-seven six. In the Psalms a little bit tonight. Psalm 47. So we'll just start at, start at verse 1 and go to verse 6. Clap your hands, O all peoples. Shout to the Lord with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared a great king over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. 
God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of the God of Abraham. For he shields, for the shields of the earth belong to God, and he is highly exalted. Okay. Again, we're called to praise. Praise him with loud songs of joy. But what it means to praise, the Bible interprets itself. What does it mean to praise? When we see in in psalms like this, in verses like this, we, we see things like singing of his nature. Praise the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That's singing about who God is, what he's like. He is good and his love endures forever. So when we sing praise, we're t- we talk about God himself, his nature, what he is like. But what else we see is B, to sing of his deeds. We see throughout the Psalms and through even uh, Chronicles and Deuteronomy, tell of his wondrous works. Tell among the people his deeds. Sing the Lord a song of thanksgiving. So when we, when we sing praise to God, we're talking about who he is, what he's like, but also what he's done. We're recounting what he has done, the actions that God has taken in our history. We read uh, just then how he subdued under Israel the people of the earth. In the Song of Moses, he talks about how he crushed the Egyptians, how he set his people free. If you read through the Psalms, you see recounted over again the events of the Passover, the events of uh, Joshua when they're when they are conquering the peoples, you see constant, remember, remember, this is what God has done. And then us, now when we look back to what Christ has done, look what he has done. He lived a perfect life. He died a substitutionary death. We talk about how he has saved us and how he has given us new life. So to praise God, again, just, just a reminder, to sing of his nature, his deeds, And to exalt his name. You see, throughout there we're called to magnify, to make great his name. Even in uh, Philippians, God has exalted him and given uh, Jesus a name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. To praise is to exalt his name. To tell of his deeds, to tell of his nature. That's... How we fil- that's how we fulfill the command to praise the Lord. You all, almost always in the scripture when we sing praise, it's always associated with song, with telling. But also, we're to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We're to sing praise, sing praise to the Lord, and we are also told in Colossians 3.16. Would you turn there with me? Colossians 3.16. We're told, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Okay. So the next command that comes, to sing, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we're going to get into this in a bit, but singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, there is some debate as to what is what the words defined here are, the, the word salmon or humnon, we get the word hymn from, and the last one, spiritual song, pneumatotokos ode. So it's like the same word we get pneumatic from, or like a pneumonia. It's, that, it's the spiritual song, ode, we get. What exactly is being meant there? Well, there is some debate as to what that means. Some, some people say that those are, uh, in the Septuagint, those are the, the headings for the Psalms. Different Psalms appear in the, in, translated in the Greek Septuagint with those very words giving them um, a category. Like this, this Psalm is a spiritual, or this Psalm is an ode. This Psalm is a hymn. This Psalm is a Psalm. But they're all Psalms, but there, it's a little, there's a little bit of a blending there that goes on. But really what's, what's kind of behind that is, Psalms, we see the inspired, the inspired poetry of the Bible, and the the Book of Psalms, kind of like uh, English hymnals, they don't have written music to it. It's just kind of there; they're just words. And so, if you were to sort of guess what the music sounded like, you'd have a hard time because there's not there are not notes on the page. There's not a musical staff. They're just they're just words. But they had rhyme and meter, even in even in Hebrew, they were, they were written. Some of them are acrostics. Some of them have structure to them that, looking back through English, you can't really see. But at the very least, they're poetry. They're they're written with form. And so, when we were commanded to sing psalms, quite literally, we should sing psalms. Which is we should sing the inspired text. And part of a way to serve that is to to put that in rhyme and meter so that we can have better clarity of how to sing because uh, Hebrew doesn't exactly translate to English perfectly, right? You have a little bit of um, difficulty following the, the, the structure there, but when you put things in rhyme and meter being true to the text, it goes deeper. It goes deeper. We're able to memorize that and we're able to sing the truth of the scripture. But also we are told to sing hymns, which at the time, hymn was not, is not a specific religious thing. The word hymn um, was used for all types of songs, but they are typically songs about conquerors and gods and kings, songs that had a, uh, there are songs that had a grandeur to them. And you see um, being applied to the scriptures being applied to Christ, we are to sing songs, the grandeur and the glory of God, songs that that have that same sort of that same sort of understanding that God is king and that He is in control, that we are declaring His glory and His nature to the world. And spiritual songs we have the it's sort of the, the junk drawer term. It means, odes just means songs. So it's saying every possible song, every possible um, 
means of communicating the glory of God through music we're to take hold of. This is a way that saying psalms and hymns and spiritual songs is a way of capturing any form of music we are to take and to turn to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. And so we are commanded to sing music to God. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And backing up this... Um, this idea for those that are sort of exclusive psalmists who would read psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs as psalms, psalms, and psalmody psalms. <laughs> if you are to read the psalms, they, they, they tell you, sing to the Lord a new song. Multiple times you have Psalm 33, 3, Psalm 43, Psalm 96, 1, Psalm 98, 1, Psalm 144, 9, Psalm 149, 1. All exclusive commands to sing to the Lord a new song. But what does it look like to sing a new song to the Lord? Again, we'll let the Bible interpret itself. In Revelation 5, 9 and 14, 3, we see the people worshiping God in heaven being told, sing a new song to the Lord. And they sing a new song to the Lord, a song that if you were to read the scriptures, you would never find until there. It was a new song. It was a song that was not prior written in the scriptures. So if we were to obey the very psalms that we sing, we would write new songs to the Lord because God desires the worship not merely of our ancestors, but our worship as well. And and if we were to exclusively sing the psalms without applying Christ to them, we would never sing the crucifixion of Christ. We would never sing of his resurrection. We would never sing of the fulfillment, we would only have the shadow, but not the substance. In Christ, Psalm 22 was fulfilled when he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? They've pierced my hands and my feet. Christ fulfilled that. And so now when we look at Psalm 22, can you read it any other way? When you, when you read Isaiah, can you read it any, any other way than saying, That's Christ. That's him. He is the fulfillment of the text. So as we, as we obey this command, we sing to the Lord praise. We sing psalms and hymns and spiritual song. We sing to him a new song. That's what we are to sing. Now, why? Why are we to sing? We talked about God command us. Duh. I mean, it's right there. It's like I said, there are 400 references to sing, but 50 direct commands to sing. Okay, argument over. But there's more to this. God is worthy of praise. Turn with me to Psalm 147. I told you we'd be in the Psalms tonight, right? Psalm 147. All right. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, 
for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He, de- he determines the number of the stars and he gives them all their names. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares the rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command of the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives the snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes the wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statues, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Okay. One of my biggest pet peeves about 90s praise songs, early 2000s praise songs, is the, the penchant to just say things and not explain them and just move on. Um, there's one song that we, we sang a lot in the church that, that I was in, and it's, it's, a, it's a good song. It's not, there's nothing wrong in it, but uh, you ever heard You Are Holy, Prince of Peace? You are holy. And the woman, you are holy. You are mighty. You are mighty. Don't ever sing that at a men's conference. There's a lot of awkward silences, by the way, in that one. <laughs> Um, but then, then it gets to the, the chorus and the, and the guys are like, I will sing to and worship the king who is worth. And the women are singing. I, I never remember the women's part. We just, we just stuck with the men's part. But they're like, uh, you are Lord of lords. You are king of kings. You are mighty God, Lord of everything. You are Manuel. You're the great I am. So they're like constantly listing like things like, like, okay, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. But never go into any detail about how, why, what. It's just there, 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 there. Just as if you could put all the names of God into a song and then like finish. You're the Prince of Peace, and I will live my life for. And then, so. But they don't do what this psalm does. It says, "Praise the Lord," and then it lists out. This is what He's done. He does this. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Okay, so he goes from small, the brokenhearted, the insignificant, the small, the thing that you would never, you know, a king doesn't care necessarily about the wounds of one of his subjects. But God, he binds the brokenhearted. He binds the wound. His, his focus is small. The very next verse, he determines the number of stars. And he gives them their names. So very tiny, microscopic, gigantic. God names the stars and he, he binds the brokenhearted. 
He's abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He gives the beasts their food. It shows the particular ways that God is at work. Instead of just listing off the names or the or just saying, you are, you are worthy. Why is he worthy? Sing with, with the New Testament saints, for you did this. As the, as the elders in Revelation, for you bought for yourself people. For you spilled your blood. For you were slain and you rose up again. You don't just say God's worthy, you show why he's worthy. And that's one of the, the ways in reading the Psalms and being familiar with the scriptures. It, it gives you fresh ways to pray, fresh ways to sing, fresh ways to understand God. Because we can get stalled out on big concepts. What does it mean that God knows all things? Well, it just showed you. He knows the very minuscule things. He gives the ravens their food. When's the last time you thought about a raven? God does. He knows every single hair on top of your head. He knows not only that, but every single hair on the leg of the cricket out there that you've never even given a thought to. He knows everything down to the minuscule down to how many rings are on the, on the farthest planet in the universe. He, he knows it all. Have you ever thought about rain? About ice? Who can stand before his cold? Have you ever thought of the cold belonging to God? God is in control of every minuscule piece of the universe. Every crystal of ice is like him by hand casting out crumbs. God is worthy of praise. He is worthy in a million ways we've never even thought about. We sing to God because it is fitting. We just read, it is good to sing praises toward God. It is pleasant. A song of praise is fitting because he's worthy. And finally, we sing because God's people sing. God has made for himself a singing people. You read Revelation, like I said, the, the, the 24 elders falling down, casting their crowns, singing to him a new song. But not only that, God himself sings. Zephaniah 3, 16-17. Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Have you ever thought of God singing? Texas, God rejoices over us with singing. Christ, when he was incarnate, when he was in the flesh, the night of his betrayal, after he washed his disciples' feet and he gave them a, new, a meal of bread and wine before he went to Gethsemane, he led them in a hymn. Hebrews 2.12 applies Psalm 22.22 to Jesus 
that says, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Jesus himself sang, and he gave us an exemplar of singing in the flesh. But not only that, Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, when they were in jail for preaching the gospel, they sang. Richard Wormbrand, uh, the Romanian pastor, when he was in prison to the Soviets, was told uh, by one of the guards, we hear that you're singing subversive songs, that you are, you're changing the hearts of the prisoners by singing these, these songs about Jesus. And so this officer pulls up a chair and says, let me hear one of them. And he sits down and they sing to him, O sacred head now wounded, a song about Jesus' crucifixion. O sacred head now wounded with grief and shame weighed down, now scornfully surrounded with thorns thine only crown. And it goes on to talk about the different ways in which Christ had suffered. And that jailer was moved. He, he got up without a word and he left. And from what, I, from what I remember in reading, this is a while ago, that he was converted through singing. But in that, in that process, he said, even caged birds sing. It's in our nature. Even caged birds sing. God made for himself a singing people. You remember we talked about Moses and Miriam after they'd come through the Red Sea and the Egyptians had been crushed. They sing before the Lord and each other. They rejoice in what God had done. In Second Chronicles 5.12, one passage I'm going to read here. Second Chronicles. When they are dedicating the temple, all the Levit- it says on all the Levitical temples, uh, all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and kidsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. That's an aside, by the way. It was their job to make themselves heard in praise and thanksgiving in unison to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord... For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. So the role of the of the priests, some of them were set aside as musicians to sing and to play skillfully, to lead singing even daily in the courts of God, with instruments, with singing singing thanksgiving to the Lord. So God's people are singing people. We always have been. Before the ark would go to the musical Levites, when they, when they marched around Jericho, what was it that brought it down? The, the sound of shouting and singing the trumpets. We are singing people. And 
And so let's go back to Colossians 3.16. There are lots of benefits to singing it. Not only are we commanded to sing, not only uh, are we a singing people, not only is God worthy of praise, but singing itself has benefits to us. We are told, and this is also, I mean, in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5.19, he uses the same formulation there as in Colossians 3.16, but we're told, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching, admonishing, singing. He's giving us ways in which to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And singing is definitely a part of that. Melody, for good or for ill, has a profound effect on the heart. I forget who it was that said, show me a church's hymnal or their songs and I will show you their theology. The songs that we sing, that we memorize together, the songs that we sing in our homes are ways in which we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. But there is a a sort of warning to that. John Calvin writes, Music has a secret and almost incredible power to move hearts. When melody goes in with it, every bad word penetrates much more deeply into the heart. Just as a funnel conveys the wine into the depths of the decanter, so venom and corruption are distilled into the very bottom of the heart by melody. So Calvin was an anti-melody. What he's saying is songs that are not based upon the word of Christ, songs that don't speak the truth about God, but rather speak falsehoods about God if they become popular, if they're imbibed, they're drank, they they go down deeper into the heart than just prose, than just reading word from a page. Because, uh, as Martin Lloyd-Jones said, preaching is logic on fire. Singing is poetry on fire. When you have rhyme and meter and music all together, it just combusts. It adds something to the prose that was not there, it adds the emotion. It adds the physical response. You can read words on a page, but when you sing them through your lungs, you are adding to it. And it goes deep, for good or for bad. And so, we need to be careful about the particular songs that we sing, that we teach our children, the songs that we sing, that they are true to the scriptures because we just read in Psalms they're musical prayers when we sing to the Lord we are, we are praying to the Lord through music through word and music put together we are praying and you wouldn't just pray anything willy nilly to God you're, you're, sh- you're showing up before God and so we, we take very seriously putting prayers on the lips of our people We want to make sure that the songs that we sing 
are good and true and faithful to the Scriptures, that they are songs that are full of the language that God speaks about Himself and not just our misty conceptions of God. That's why we don't sing Jesus is my boyfriend type songs. Because there, there are certain songs, if you, uh, if you leave out one word, if you put in a word, like if you put in your boyfriend's name, you couldn't tell whether you're singing to your boyfriend or to God because it's, it's kind of weird. Right? It's just very, very uh, amorphous. There's just no, like, what, what exactly are you singing when you're saying your fragrance is intoxicating in a secret place? Looking at you, casting crowns. Or draw me close to you, never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. You're my desire, no one else will do. To feel the warmth of your embrace. You get, okay, it's getting a little weird in here. <laughs> Worship is not just about us in intimacy. It's about approaching God, as Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. There is intimacy, yes, he is our Father. But he's also holy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say those types of things. in a silly sort of way. So, I want to give a little bit of practical advice here. We were talking about family worship, singing in the home. We just talked about singing in general. But if we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, if we are to teach the word to our kids as we are going, as as we rise up, as we go out, One of the best ways that we do that is through song. I can't tell you how many psalms that I've memorized because they were in musical form, because they had just the simple addition of music to them. I used to sing Psalm 91 as a sort of lullaby to my children when, when they were small. Or Psalm 139 is deeply implanted in my mind because when I was in high school, I picked up a Sons of Korah CD. They're a group that puts the Psalms to music. And it sunk down in my heart, and I can't forget. Music has a way of sticking with you. I've heard many stories of people on their deathbed who didn't know because of dementia their children's names. But if you were to sing a song from church, they would know it, and they would sing with you. Music has a way of driving the truth of God deeper into our hearts. So some practical advice. We don't have much trouble with this as a church, but just as sort of a general reminder, men, lead your family in singing. There is some sort of stigma that singing has this day. I blame it on Broadway. I hate show tunes, by the way. Um, but the the idea that has bursting forth into song, you know, twirling in fields as we talked about, it's just it just seems weird and effeminate to just start singing. But we used to we were a singing culture. I mean, you you have like wailing songs. There once was a ship that put to sea, and the name of the ship was the Billy of Tea. Like you have 
you have that. People used to sing when they worked. We were a more musical culture. And somehow we've, we've written it off as weird and effeminate. But God commands us to sing. If we were to obey God himself saying, is, is, is God effeminate? Was Jesus effeminate? No. We are to emulate Christ. We are to be imitators of Christ. And the way that that happens in families is through the influence of fathers. Fathers, if your children watch you on Sunday morning, do they see you sing? Do they see you engage with what's there? If, if not, if you're, if you're worried about singing because you're shy or you have a bad voice, or because you're worried about making us all nervous with how good your voice is, don't. Because you're implicitly teaching your child that it's not manly to sing. And you're continuing that process. You want them to see you. I mean, if you're not going to sing in church, where are you going to sing? Because you're commanded to sing. And we have example. I will sing your praise amidst the congregation, right? He tells us when we come together, one has a, one has a hymn, one has a lesson. Like, when we come together, you should always be singing. Where are you going to obey that command if not in church? Let your kids watch you sing. Encourage them by your participation because we are obeying the command of God together. God is worthy of our praise. Like I said, I don't think we have that much of a problem with that. Our men sing really good in here. I can, I can hear you guys. It's like that, uh, that Hobbit movie with all those dwarves' little voices. Far over the misty mountains go. Um, you have that, that deep bass really good. But let your kids see you sing. You're going to teach them. You're going to reinforce that this is what God's people do. Just your participation will reinforce that it's okay for them to do. But also in the home, you don't have to be a musician to sing. You don't have to be a, like a great, like a American Idol, America's Got Talent, whatever it is, star to sing. Just sing. Like if you can find a note, like you know this, this song goes on F, just find it. It's like, mm, get that little pitch pipe and just sing. It doesn't matter. Even if you sing bad, you're teaching your kids that it's appropriate. Not only it is fitting to sing praise to God and do it in the homes because that reinforces that worship. Worship isn't just singing. It's not just music. We've made that, we've made that uh, false equivalence that, oh, this is the worship time and this is the preaching time. Preaching is worship. Receiving the word is worship. Praying is worship. Nothing that we do on Sunday morning is not worship. Greeting one one another in the name of the Lord, encouraging one another, that's all worship. Worship is not just music. And that is continued in the home. When you gather with your kids and you pray with them and you read the scriptures to them and you sing with them, those are all acts of worship. That's what we call it family worship. They're all acts of worship. And it's important that in those intimate settings, you can have that sort of control over the prayers that you're putting on the lips of your own kids. How are they relating to God? You're helping curate that by selecting songs for your own family worship. So men, lead your families in singing. 
it's not weird to sing. A little bit more practical advice is to put in your, while you're selecting those songs, put songs in front of your family. Like how most of my kids learn the songs that we sing in family worship is, is through the CD and the car. You know, we go back and forth to pick up groceries. We go to church events and stuff. There's always music playing. It's like Keith and Christian Getty or Sovereign Grace or some, some other band. We're, the songs that we want them to learn and memorize are songs that we just have on repeat in our, in our car on the CD. That's a very practical way. Just whenever you would normally have music, just make that the music that you want them to learn. Um, I can't stand the sound of chewing. Especially like like chips or things that are hard. It sounds like a donkey chewing on a corn cob. We have sort of a practice in our home for dinner time to minimize that for one, but also to put those sort of songs in our every time well breakfast and dinner anytime I'm there. Um, we have music playing. We have music playing. We have a playlist that we've been, like, if you get on Pandora and you are vigorous to dislike any bad songs, eventually it'll start putting out good ones. Um, so they, if you put in the right band to start out with and it'll give you similar stuff, if you, like, if you like or dislike that thing to death, it will give you good stuff. But find a playlist for your, for your family meals, for when you're just sitting, when your kids are having quiet time, just, just reading their school books or whatever. What type of music do you have in your home? Make it the music that you want them to know. Make it the music that you want them to memorize. And you would be surprised. We like we didn't intentionally do that. We just like I like to listen to music in the car. But when you when you hear one of your daughters sing, um, "Oh great God of highest heaven," um, and it says, "Let no vice or sin remain that resists your holy war," from like a three-year-old. That's awesome. And they're taking it in. They're constantly absorbing stuff. They're like sponges. So just direct the water in the right way, and they'll get it. They'll retain the, the songs. Put good songs in front of your kids. And we have a resource, by the way. Uh, we have a, a YouTube playlist that has virtually all the songs that we do on Sunday morning. Uh, it's just a playlist we have on YouTube. If you don't have that, if you've not seen that, it's on our Facebook. It's like in one of the links in the description of the church. But if you, if you have trouble finding it, just, just see me. If you can use YouTube, then you have access to 90% of the songs that we do. And that can be your playlist. Finally, um, practical advice. Don't expect to have a worship service every time you sit down with your kids. It's just not going to happen. You're going to end up at each other's throats. You're going to have such high expectations, and you'll see what dirty little sinners they are. But they're your dirty little sinners. And God has given us the grace. They, are, they really are a gift. And you get to, your, your work is really rewarded. And you see them sing praises to God from their hearts. So the easiest way is just pick a song. Like when you sit down together, you read, you read a Bible verse, read the passage. Do you pray, like really pray. But pick one song, like like a song a week, or make it the song of the month. It doesn't matter. Just just pick a song and learn it together, 
And if they have trouble understanding it, which they're sure to do, that gives such wonderful opportunities to explain. We were watching my nephews back in North Carolina um, soon after we got married. We took them out to a swimming hole. And on the way back, we were listening to a CD by the band Ghost Ship. And they had a song on there called Mediator. And the chorus is, There is only one God. There is only one mediator standing between God and man. He's the only way to salvation. But... My, my oldest nephew asked, what's a mediator? I was like, oh, what a beautiful opportunity to explain. What is a mediator? What is it that Jesus does? And there's some context clues, standing between God and man. What does it mean for Jesus to stand between God and man and act as a mediator? But you'll find many opportunities just in the songs that we sing to explain what does that mean? And they... Kids are naturally curious about that sort of thing. They'll ask questions. So, Just practically, lead your families in singing men. Put good songs in front of your family in your cars at mealtime, recreation time, and pick a song, like a week or a month, however long you want to have that, and make that part of your family's repertoire. Just sing together a song. Um, it's that easy. Just pick a song and learn it. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have some time for question and answer.